<laughs> oh, you fools, you've come again. <laughs> Charles, here comes that nut that does that dirty program again. Would you please <laughs> I see on, written on the side of one of those big signs there, one of the walls there. It says, uh, Dick Cabot is for prevention of disease only. What does this mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't know what's going on today. It's just terrible. Shuffle up the said, I just thought of some more great words for uh, the bear missed the train. He says, how about this one? The hare clogged the drain. The hare clogged the drain. La-da-da, <laughs> call Roto-Rooter. Oh, the hare clogged the drain. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a sick scene. i tell you, the world is getting out of hand. And uh, I'm not uh, anybody. Another guy writes, and he says, uh, Shepard, I'm rapidly coming to the conclusion that the best writing in America today is to be found in comic books. For instance, consider the November issue of Huey, Louie, and Dewey. In this one, the principal characters go swimming in Lake Erie. After prudently rubbing grease on themselves to prevent chemical burns, and are attacked by creatures that look something like fish. Impossible, says another character. There haven't been any fish in this lake since the tetracyanide factory leaked in 1968. Then the pseudo-fish are frightened off by a kind of Loch Ness monster that has assembled itself out of the pollutants in the lake. And, and, and subsists on all kinds of garbage and old tires. Quote, Look at it tearing into those steel-belted radials, says Huey. Scientists classify it as a new creature called a trashivore. There's even an overprivileged hunter who wants to kill the trashivore because it's the only one in the world. Fortunately, it thrives on bullets, too. And so, he, uh... <laughs> on and on it goes. Oh, madness. You mind if I, uh... Take advantage of this uh, airtime and, and uh, release some of the basic tensions of 20th century men by blowing my own bazoo, do you? Ba-ba-da-da, ba-ba-boo-boo. 
and it shows a crowd of fans chasing a guy across a field, and they're getting ready to beat him up. You see some of the fans are laying on the ground. Other fans are hitting the guy, see? And it says, fans fans in Palma de Mallorca. Palma de Mallorca. Didn't like it when their soccer team loses the Campos. When the visiting Morenci team won 2-1, to one, irate fans took it out on the player who scored the winning goal. The player, as well as the referee, were treated later in the hospital for injuries. <laughs> you imagine the fans going out, you know, clubbing, clubbing Joe Namath on the head because he scored a winning touchdown against Miami. You know, the Miami fans go out and beat him up. Say, you think America is a primitive, primal, violent country, Jane Fonda. That's just because you ain't been in some primitive, primal countries, honey. Now, let's see. Uh, we better get on with a couple more of these commercials before we get on with the, the meat of the show. And if you like, you know, with your meat, if you enjoy good French wines, I would like to suggest that uh, you ask uh, that one magic, elegant name, Alexis Lachine, supported by Bass Charrington Vintners of New York. Please sing for me. Alexis Another writer, you know, uh, this is this is what writers are writing tonight. You know, the guys that write to me, just write. What you, you if you think I'm a sorehead, you ought to read some of the letters. In fact, here's the guy he writes. He says, uh, he says, uh, Shepard. He says, I've been wondering. He says, I've been studying history, and he says, you're quite right. He says, I live in Philadelphia, and he said the the booing has become endemic in Philadelphia. And he says, I wonder if a bunch of Philadelphians stood around booing when Franklin flew his kite. Said so that. <laughs> You get a, get a job. But, uh, uh, you know, that's a good question. He says, let's face it. He says, come to think of it, what was the Declaration of Independence, which came out of Philadelphia? Just nothing but a long written boo. Rotten, stinking king, no good parliament. Boo, boo, boo. Uh, I see. Four fans are suing the Philadelphia Eagles. We just received a, a, a bulletin from our sports desk. It says four fans are suing Philadelphia Eagles for being inept, quote, not up to NFL standards, quote. They want refund on season tickets plus damages. <laughs> well, you see, these fans are missing the whole point of the game. They're not obviously fans. See, a fan is a fan who, who, uh, who goes because he loves the game. Now, it's quite obvious that the Philadelphia Phillies are, or the uh, Eagles are playing teams that are apt. And uh, you go to see the apt teams. Your team is merely a stage... Uh, a stage prop so that you can see uh, Namath at work, or you can watch uh, the uh, the Maya, the Dolphins, you know, that that crew. Yeah, you can see Larry Zonka tear apart the Phillies, the the Eagles line. <laughs> oh man, that that only in Philadelphia that could set a whole yeah, but you realize that could set a whole uh, that could set a whole trend uh, if these guys collect because the Philadelphia Eagles are not uh, are not up to NFL standards, which means of course they lose. That's going to set a whole trend and will eventually result in the complete uh, uh, legal uh, banning of sports because uh, one team's got to lose. <laughs> no way you can get around it. You just simply have to lose. Now, if you lose, you can easily be sued if, if once a legal precedent is set. I mean, if a legal precedent is set that says, yes, I, Judge J.W. Hornswoggle, Declare that the Philadelphia Eagles are inept in fact and in truth in toto in hoc agricola conch and are not up to the standards of the 
National Football League named as co-defendants in this suit and by the ipso facto powers granted to me by the state of Pennsylvania, I say that the Philadelphia Eagles are inept and I award the plaintiffs known hereafter in this uh, breach of uh, contract inept ipso facto as fans. I say these fans are entitled to damages to be decided later at the court's leisure and uh, at the court's uh, time of uh, final decision. Next case, please. I can see the stunned look on this tackle. Who's <laughs> been run over seven consecutive weeks by the Minnesota line, which hasn't been running over many people lately anyway. I mean, you know, just nothing but a bunch of thugs. Which reminds me, this is WOR in the New York. Well, Mr. Smith, they've stopped moving the, that safe around now. They're moving what looks like some big gray cabinets past now with locks on them. I don't know what they are. It says top secret, the top one says. I don't know what that one is. Oh, one guy's got a sweatshirt on. It says uh, uh, the FCC forever. Hey, it's the... Oh, for heaven's sakes. I say, oh, they're friends of ours. Hit the button, please, will you, please? There's an easy fixin' meal that'll please your man. It's a good hearty meal that comes in a can. It's broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. We use real corned beef that's cooked just right for a hearty corned beef tasting every loving bite. A broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. So make today a broadcast day with corned beef hash the easy way. It's broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. that second-rate juice harp player there. I hate bad juice harps. Nothing worse than a bad juice harp. Let's see. It's four fans. <laughs> hey, George. Hey, uh, you know, uh, were any of you scared about last night's show? Did anybody get scared last night and turn on all the lights in this house? Uh, that's what I thought. You can't scare a modern man. He is tough and hard. He's developed a... Uh, a carapace. <laughs> you know what a carapace is? You do. It's one of those chairs they carry around, four guys with the sticks on them. Is that what it is? And they have little curtains on the side, and Marie Antoinette wrote around in one of those. Well, what is it? A carapace. Is that some kind of a, uh, a medical insurance policy or something? What? Well, that's the thing you put on your arm, I see, one of those splint things. Yeah. Okay, well, we've, we've already solved that. You know, speaking of, uh, of problems, you think you, you know, little little things come out. It, the modern life is just totally chaotic, you know. It's, it is. It, let's face it. As our life becomes more splintered, it becomes more chaotic. And uh, we would like to salute a lady uh, that uh, just, you know, in Buffalo. Did you read this story? It's fantastic. <laughs> it's got to go down in the annals. All Mary Riley wanted to do was to apply for a volunteer job. Now, this is significant. Where did she want to apply for a job? At Millard Fillmore Hospital. That's in Buffalo. Only in Buffalo would they name a hospital Millard Fillmore. The Millard Fillmore Hospital. <laughs> Sounds like a gag right from the start. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all she wanted to do was to, was to apply for a volunteer job at Millard Fillmore Hospital and have lunch with the hospital's librarian, who was a longtime friend. A simple desire. 
but many things in this life today do not come easily. The 18-year-old girl, that's Mary Riley, from the nearby town of Boston, the nearby town of Boston, leave it to Buffalo to refer to Boston as a nearby town. Anyway, the 18-year-old from the nearby town of Boston stopped at the information desk and asked directions to the School of Nursing. Now, this is the kind of stuff you simply do not see in these endless medical shows that have suddenly become the pox of television. I mean, it's hard for an actor to work these days unless he looks good in the stethoscope. You know? And some doctors, some, 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 you know, some, uh, some actors are becoming so identified with the medical profession that they're now addressing graduating classes of real surgeons. You know, tell, tell them how, how life is going to be when they get out and uh, when they're practicing at places like, uh, like Marcus Welby General and various places of that type. And uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, life is, is, uh, is not quite that way in, in actual hospitals. In spite of George C. Scott and Patty Shaevsky, it just simply isn't that way. But uh, would, would this make a great sequence out of, uh, you know, say, a Marcus Welby? Anyway, this girl shows up at the hospital. She just wants to have lunch with her friend and apply for a volunteer job. Now, see, this is, a, this is obviously a philanthropist. Well, she stopped at the information desk. You got it. Now, that's the opening scene. You show this girl driving up, see, and she drives up in her little car, see, and she says to herself, oh, I better hurry up. Give me a little, uh, quiet, give me a little mood music, if you will, in there, Ed, please, a little soft, uh, little, uh, we'll set the mood for this little TV show. And while you're doing that, I think I'll rip off a little commercial here. Let's see, we've done Alexis Lachine. How about, uh, yes, uh, let's see, we've got um, <laughs> House of Chan. Indeed, Mo. Uh, somebody wrote me a nice note about the House of Chan, and he says, I have a suggestion for the ad manager of the House of Chan. Why don't they sponsor the ball games? He said, House of Chan, Chinese restaurant, you know. And he says they can sponsor the ball games. They can use all kinds of great lines in, in you know, in the ball game. You remember the Ballantine Blast? You remember those great things? He says, for example, he would like to suggest this one, Lee. Uh, there's ball four. Ed Cranepool is now going to first. The batter advances to first. Yes, it's a House of Chan walk. <laughs> boo, boo. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, I'm sorry I offended you. Oh, wow. It's a House of Chan walk. And let's see, that puts runners on first and second now, going into the last half of the eighth inning. All right. Brought to you by the House of Chan. Yes, indeed. And uh, what would you think, how would you think, what would you call a House of Chan home run? A what? <laughs> oh, please, I can't say that in the air. Come on now. But uh, nevertheless, a House of Chan, friends, is an elegant Chinese restaurant. Well, listen to music, please, if you will. I just want you to listen to this little saga of frustration. It is a Kafka's tale, a tale straight out of the metamorphosis the 20th century. Mary Riley, 18, stopped asking directions at the information desk at the School of Nursing where she was to meet Mrs. DeLeo Bitao. And then this happened. The information desk sent Miss Riley to the nursing service office. There she was referred to the School of Nursing, quote, in the other building. I repeat, because you didn't quite understand that one. She was sent to the School of Nursing in, quote, the other building. The other building, for those of you who don't quite yet understand. She became confused in the parking lot where construction is underway and instead entered the medical office building. There, her question was misinterpreted and she was sent to a nearby nursing home. 
From there, she headed for the Visiting Nurses Association, an office two and a half blocks up the street. Given new instructions again, Miss Riley left, but passed by the School of Nursing and by mistake arrived at the hospital's Dent Institute. At the Institute, she asked for Mrs. Beteau. No one ever heard of her. In tears, Miss Riley approached two policemen who were ticketing automobiles and asked for help. By this time, she was somewhat incoherent, and the policeman thought she was using drugs. <laughs> Before they could question her, a taxi bearing a stolen license plate passed by. The policeman asked Mrs. Riley to get in their patrol car, and all three of them took off after the cab. Later, a second police car took her to a police station, where the desk sergeant determined she was not on drugs. Back at the hospital, a guard directed her to the School of Nursing. She met Mrs. Biteau and finally reached the volunteer office. Too late, she was told. Applications for the junior volunteer program closed last spring. Besides, she's too young. She's now deciding to enter college and plans to be a veterinarian. <laughs> Fantastic morning. Listen, all right, that's that. Uh, you just keep that up there, Ed. I'm going to use that. And uh, while you're uh, resetting that uh, soppy piece of drippy music, which we use for soppy, drippy tunes, Gramercy Park Clothes of 64 West 23rd Street in New York asks this rhetorical question. Did you ever wear a polyester double-knit suit? If you know what the hell that is, that's the new stuff they're making men's clothing out of. <laughs> I like the way they translate in here. Now, they're really something. They move when you move, as opposed to those old wooden suits, you know, the ones with the hinges at the knees and all that. <laughs> that's a great commercial. And they stretch when you stretch. And they make wearing a suit positively comfortable. Now, if you'd like to see one of these great suits, you go to the third floor of the factory building at 64 West 23rd Street. And you'll save dough while you're going there. Go through the big iron gate. That's a, that's a serious sound. Big, what says right there? Yeah. Get yourself a new double-mitt suit. Gramercy Park Clothes, 64 West 23rd Street, third floor. 64 West 23rd Street in New York. You know, speaking of, uh, of soap operas, I mean, you know, this chick getting all hung up trying to get a job. Is there anybody out there, seriously... Can I ask a serious question? It's not a rhetorical question. It's an actual question. Who actually believes in, in, in these astrological advice things that are printed in the papers? Is that there must be. Every paper in the business has got them. <laughs> George, we're slipping back into the dark ages. In fact, you know, I'm walking down the street the other day in the village... And it's a big place, you know, big, big store there. It's got all kinds of jazz. You know, the usual kind of store that has, uh, in the village, uh, practically every store sells either, uh, either, uh, you know, leather jodhpurs or, uh, or it sells uh, Snoopy sweatshirts and, uh, you know, with, uh, with the McGovern buttons on the back and all. You know, it's a typical village store. And in the middle of it says, uh, special today only sale, polyester washable tarot cards on sale. <laughs> I took one look at that. I says, my God, you know, 
But the, yes, there they were in, in decorator shades. You can get your tarot cards. And I thought, gee, you know, there must be dildocks that believe that jazz. It really is. And so uh, I, 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 I thought to myself, I'm just going to take a look at one of these things. And so here I, I, I've, I've gotten out the advice column. See, now here's a real advice column. This is the kind of jazz that, that is, uh, is, uh, is printed in these advice columns. You know these astrological advice columns? Life is fraught. Must be fraught with, for people who read this stuff. Life is full of alarms and, and the evil spirits and the things that are lurking and that go bump in the night on all sides. Would you please give me a little of that, uh, that, that gloppy music, please? Yes. Uh, I'm going to read to you now one typical advice column taken from a local newspaper of this morning. Aries, March 21st through April 19th. Beware pretending to know anything you don't, as this isn't the day for such games. Can you imagine her giving the other advice? Today, phony it up. Fake him out. <laughs> That's open-ended advice. Taurus, April 20th through May 20th. Family concerns require extra thought. No simple answers are available. Hi, George. Can you imagine any advice that would go contrary to that? Try a few slogans today around the house. Your family problems. No, no, no difficulty. They can be solved easily. Simple problem. Just solve them today. Gemini, May 21st through June 20th. Close attention at work is essential. Can you see the other side of the coin if she says that today you can goof off? Just, you know, kick the gong around today. You don't have to mess around. Louse up on all of it. Don't, don't send out the morning report today. It's, no, it's okay. You can get by with it today. If you are, of course, a Gemini. Cancer, June 21st through July 22nd. Troubleshooting is in order. Well, there's a mysterious line. Troubleshooting is in order. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there's one other word of advice to cancer people today. Get backlog routines out of the way in preference to plunging into new, expansive projects. All those cancer people have great, important lives. Don't plunge into new, expansive projects today. Clean up all those other big projects that you have left undone behind you. You know, like getting the switch in the kitchen fixed. Like uh, doing something about that damned ice cube tray that always gets your thumb. Leo, decisions on what to do take endless rounds of discussions in which you may not be comfortable. Keep trying. Endless rounds of discussion. Translated, it's going to be a lot of arguing today and a lot of yelling, but just keep yelling back. Virgo, August 23rd through September 22nd. Be on the alert for incomplete information. Notebooks are preferable to depending on memory. Can you see Gene Dixon giving the opposite uh, advice? Why mess around with notebooks? You're just too much hung on notebooks, friend. Why don't you try remembering something once? Use your head, you nut. Oh, but Libra. Libra has a very, very serious day today. Comment obscures or misleads as much as it clarifies. <laughs> Stick near your regular base. 
and on your accustomed rounds. Play them cards close to the best today, Libra. They're out after you. And they're giving you a little hanky-panky. Comment obscures as much as it clarifies. So why don't you wash your ears and listen carefully. Scorpio, avoid final commitments. Stall for time. Seek verification of details. Later in the evening, you will have insights. That's after you get bombed. You know, drunk and a skunk, and you're staggering around your living room. You start seeing the world for what it is. Miss uh, Dixon doesn't quite come out and say that, but the, the implication is there. Poor Scorpio. Uh, but Sagittarius, he has a time. Circumstances have changed since you last checked on facts and figures. By tonight, you may have to reconsider. Oh, God, what a life that Sagittarian leads. Great decisions. Momentous, momentous cliffs over which it's easy to topple. Capricorn, today is good for wrangling. Ongoing negotiations, questions, but do not close any discussion. That, that, that's just for you, Ed. In other words, do a lot of arguing, but when you leave, holler, You ain't heard the last of me, boy! That's the advice today to Capricorn. Aquarius, January 20th to February 18th. Things withstanding critical tests are unexpected. Now, that is a very obscure statement. I can't quite figure that one out. Things withstanding critical tests are unexpected. The tests are unexpected, or the things are unexpected, Miss Dixon. Your language is getting a little obscure. You are following closely on the trail of James Joyce there. Pieces, or piskies, February 19th to March 20th. Conserve your time and your strength. By letting go of the past, give up on all those old, sad, foolish dreams and all those sad, foolish inequities. Ignore petty criticisms right above the herd. That's translated meaning, All right, you guys, you don't think you're going to get me. <laughs> I don't care what you say. And that is today's advice. And it's kind of lovely. Thank you, Edward. Thank you. We just got a call from uh, Fred W. Virgo. Called in. Very mad in hell. I'm sorry. You tell me you don't have time to argue with him, will you? He's getting the mafia after me, huh? Listen, uh, if uh, you need a pair of dependable winter tires at a good low price, we would like to lay a goodie on you. General's famous winter cleat snow tires. They're famous. I mean, you you see people on the street singing about them. Really beautiful. And they're so round and fat and nice. And uh, remember General's famous uh, slogan: "You go in snow." Or General pays the toll. So you can't lose these beautiful winter cleat tires. And in the Bronx, you can out and see Murray Lester at Bronx General Tire at 579 Grand Concourse. General Tire. Look for the big red General G. Boom, ba-dum, boom. Let's see. We have. Oh, you have a goodie in there for me? Lay it on, Ed. Lay on, McDuff. Escape to the sun. An epic drama of intrigue and determination as eight different people with one common goal set off an incredible all-or-nothing scheme to realize their dreams of freedom. Oh, yes. Oh, that sounds exciting. Sounds like a big, exciting night in the quicksand pit. See attention to the sun. Continuous performances start today at the Criterion and at the Translux 85th Street Theaters. Escape to the sun. Hey, we have another uh, rhetorical question that comes up here today. A guy writes in, he says, uh, in what 
in what, in the works of what author do we find a movie studio called Perfecto Zizbomb Productions? <laughs> Perfecto Zizbomb Productions. Just a question. What author has that in his, uh, in his world? And, by the way, here's a trivia question. On whose fantastic, unbelievably funny radio show do they continually talk about Kasha? <laughs> well, why whip up another old tired potato dish tomorrow? You know, an old tired potato dish. Wait till the potato people hear about what we're saying about them. Whip up an old Russian delicacy instead. Kasha. Oh, Kasha, I'll never forget her. Lived on 86th Street over by 1st Avenue. Oh, what dimples in the knees. Kasha. Oh, her throat was like an alabaster column of pure loveliness. Ah, yes. Kasha has been translated into American as Wolf's Kasha, which is kind of a come down from the Kasha I knew. Yes, Kasha Adaransky. She was a young American communist, and she had fire in the eye. We used to sit and talk about the peasants. Oh, it was a great evening sitting around there by the fern plants. And if you'd like to find out about Wolf's Kasha, which tastes great, it's a little buckwheat grains, little kernels of roasted buckwheat grainies. You, uh, you just look for Kasha in the, uh, in the uh, kosher department there at your grocery store. And if you'd like a great, fantastic Wolf's Kasha cookbook that includes Wolf's Kasha popsicles, they're wonderful. Frozen with a little touch of cherry sauce on the top. They're just great. Put a little bourbon in them, and the old man will love them, too. Wolf's, in care of uh, me, whoever that is, M-E. That's a department here? Uh, W-O-R, New York, 10018. And you must be a qualified young radical. I mean, you must be a qualified uh, art student to enjoy Wolf's Kasha. Hey, you can't stop reading an instruction book on how to fly an airplane while I'm doing my show. That's terrible. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, what do we have here? A couple more commercials here. This one simply says, sell the term inscrutably delicious. What the heck is that? Oh, that's an old, it's left over from an old John Gambling commercial that was laying around here. Inscrutably delicious. Nothing on gambling show that's inscrutable. Oh, yes, uh, here's a message from New York Magazine. If you're a New York City parent, heaven help you. Uh, you <laughs> if you're a parent, heaven help you. <laughs> I saw, through, I saw through that silly game early. You probably had a lot of rationalization about living in the city with kids. Well, if you've got that problem, friends, pick up a copy of New York Magazine. they got 12,000 things that you can have a kid do on the weekend that include things like letting the air out of the neighbor's tires, stealing hubcaps, siphoning gas, all those exciting things that will prevent your weekend from being a bore in New York with a kid. Because you'll spend a lot of time down at the local precinct station getting to know your local cop, which is all part of the new uh, community spirit in New York. New York Magazine on the newsstand this week. Now we have one final uh, political spot. Are you ready for a political spot out there, gang? Let's see. I have a note here that says... Uh, mm, 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 mm. No, I have no note about this. All right. Let's play it and see what happens. Oh, here it is. This is the following is presented by the WOR Public Affairs Department. And we have had some public affairs in this station from time to time. I'll never forget the time the paddy wagons arrived one night. Public affair that we were involved in. They were hitting us on the head with rubber truncheons and all that stuff. And it was all because of a Christmas party. But the, nevertheless, the following... <laughs> yeah, it was quite a night. The following is presented by the WOR Public Affairs Department. My name is Martin S. Shepard, Jr. I am the Conservative Party's congressional candidate 
in the 12th Congressional District, Kings County. And pull the lever for Shepard on column C, line 8. Remember, a vote for Shepard is a vote for unity and economic progress and a vote against polarization. I thank you. That's the best political slogan I've heard in years. Thank God. A vote for Shepard is a vote for all beautiful stuff. In case you're curious, I never heard of him before. He is no relative. <laughs> I have no known relatives. Uh, by the way, we just... Uh, uh, yes, Lee. Uh, she just held up a sign. It is true. It, it, is it? Is it the? Is it the uh, full moon time? It, it's getting close. The the dingbats are calling. If I may uh, give a nod to Archie Bunker, the dingbats are calling tonight, and uh, they call up and they're incoherent. They they they're confusing uh, escape to the sun with Kasha. <laughs> but the, no, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I, I get distraught at times. There's no question about it. We all get overwrought, and uh, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, you know these, the, the the moments that, that pass in the night like little ships, or little ships that pass like moments in the night. Uh, I uh, I have to say that I'm I'm over in a in a bookstore tonight, seeing the walking around and and uh, there's a a book out there on the on the uh, on the book you know on the on the uh, the shelf there. It says listening to music creatively. Now that's I call that a trick, you know, that's, uh, I felt for years that, you know, anybody who buys themselves a Rolling Stones record or a Joan Baez record feels that they're creative, you know, because they bought the record and they listen to it. And it says, listening to music creatively. And uh, I think I'll have to put that on my shelf next to Victorious Praying. It's uh, two of my uh, cornerstones of my library. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Make dough through the parables. You know, it's uh, kind of good. I, I uh, yeah, that's, that's another one. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, so are you letting God beat you? You win at praying when you use this book. You're not praying right. You know, you got to get right in there and communicate, which incidentally leads to a very embarrassing thing. This uh, man is attempting constantly to, to communicate, you know, with his various gods. And the other night I'm watching a movie called uh, The Mummy, and in the middle of it all they have a whole big... Uh, yeah, did you see? That was great. They ha they're having a whole big... That was called a mummy. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not, a, it's not an Anthony Perkins movie about his mother. Now, this is something else. This is called The Mummy. The Mummy. You know, the kind they wrap the stuff around and, uh, you know, they put him in his case and all that. And uh, they had this whole big uh, ceremony of, to the god of Karnak. And, you know, by God, halfway through that ceremony, I began to get converted. And the movie was so effective that I found myself down on my knees yelling to the god Karnak, you know. And uh, it took me, you know, well into the next Preparation H commercial to come out of it. I mean, it's close. Man, today can very, very easily be persuaded about almost anything. And, and curiously enough, immediately following the movie, on came the God Squad. You know, they had this transcribed prayer at the end. You know that. Uh, you know, they, you know how it comes out. You know, uh, uh, the Rock of Ages, da da da, and uh, this transcribed reverend came on, and by God, they broke the film right in the middle of it, right in the middle of his prayer. And uh, I don't know who got mad. Whether you know, Karnak got mad at that point, or uh, what it was. You know, Karnak is one of the minor gods anyway, so you don't have to worry about Karnak. But the one you got to really worry about is Ra, and that's a goodie. Ra was a mean one. And, uh, I mean, you know, Ra with the cats and all that stuff, you remember all that. And we're glad to be out of that. Now that we got Gene Dixon, we've been saved. We're out of that. I mean, those old superstitions, that's all over. Ra, Karnak, Vishnu, all that stuff, you know. Oh, the, the, the great one uh, was, uh, there was another one, uh, Tremendous God, uh, 
McGollig was a great guy. McGollig. M-A-G-A-G-H-U-G-H-H-H-G was an early Welsh god. McGollig, or just pronounced by the Welsh. Gagalvogach, which terrible god. He smoked cigars. And, uh, just awful and bad ones. And walked around and hurled lightning bolts and you know, made guys' tires flat and all that. So you got to be careful. Never know when you may offend some god somewhere, someplace. We've got them here at the station. We've got a couple of them. And they're just as uh, capricious as any gods ever were. They'll hear a lightning bolt with no reason. They'll be young old. Hey, Mr. Smith. They got the television set now. They're moving it out. I guess they're going to bring another, a new one in. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah, Barry Farber's helping to put in the, in the elevator. Oh, Barry's helpful. That ends tonight's salute to Howard Cosell, modern man's spokesman. And this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith. He's got the news, the real news.